Grant Pritchard, thanks so much for joining me on the Leading Through Challenge show today. Uh, we've just had a great conversation around workplace mental health and some of the practical aspects that we as leaders can be working on. What was the exciting stuff that we talked about today? I think, you know, I think um, there's probably three or four areas that we really touched on around um, leadership and leading through these tough times, times of change, and that is uh, acting decisively. It's about being really transparent with your communication, knowing and being humble enough to know when you're making mistakes so that you can course correct those mistakes and just keeping your people in the loop, um, keeping them up to date and being, you know, as a leader, wherever you may be, comfortable with leading from where you are and also listening and leaning on the people around you because I think we are very much um, more the sum of our more than the sum of our individual parts when we start stepping forward together in the mental health space. Grant Pritchard, welcome to the Leading Through Challenge show. How are you doing today, mate? Kia ora, Chris. I am doing well. Really well, thank you. Very good, very good. And Grant, who is Grant Pritchard in a nutshell? <laughs> I am a full-time lawyer at Spark and a voluntary mental health advocate as well. I kind of support and help lead our workplace um, staff-led mental health community. Awesome, mate. And what aspects of leadership excite you the most? I think in the mental health space, it's a chance to do something bigger than yourself. Um, you know, I think if I had, you know, looking back over the last two years with what's happened with Spark and our mental health community, that started from something very small, from a, a tiny seed can sometimes grow a, a tall tree. And so being able to um, see people coming together and new ideas being shared and then people picking up on those and running with them and people within Spark and also within other workplaces passing the baton to each other and sharing what's working really well. That, um, that I think has really um, helped get me up in the morning in some ways. Like I love being a lawyer. Um, that's the professional thing I'm good at, but the personal thing I'm passionate about is better workplace mental health. And so being able to informally lead on a voluntary basis, you know, now over 600 people within our community at Spark out of our 5,000 people, it's just been a real privilege to, to be part of that and to see um, people getting the help they need and learning a lot more about their own mental health and just creating a really safe space for those conversations. And I think no matter where you are in a workplace, you don't need to have a management title or to be an executive to lead. Um, and that's, that sort of comes from within, I think, the leadership, not from without. Um, you don't need a, a fancy title or a team of 50 or 100 under you or 1,000 under you to be able to, to show great leadership. Yeah, I completely agree with that, mate. That's uh, we can, we can all lead in in slightly different ways, uh, in especially in situations like this. Why are you so passionate about uh, mental health advocacy? I think, from my perspective, um, you know, New Zealand's really coming on a journey in this space. You know, I think ten years ago, fifteen years ago, we weren't really on the front foot with this stuff, and so. I think thanks to people like Mike King and Sir John Kerwin and a lot of other people who are standing up in this space, people are really being more tuned in. But the the big, you know, that's the what. And now we're sort of at the so what stage of 
you know, how do we create a more mentally healthy environment for our for our people at home and at work? And my passion really comes from seeing um, workplaces as having a massive opportunity to play a proactive role in the space, not being focused on number crunching, not being focused on um, purely process-driven risk management type things, but actually being a, a part of a um, part of a solution for their people around mental health and well-being, recognizing that you know your people are not robots yet, <laughs> and that actually um, you know if we can allow people to to this sort of dovetails into inclusion and how important mental health is as a part of that. You know, we can be inclusive around gender and race and age and disability and all sorts of different factors, but actually having your people not be um, pressured um, or feel like there's not a safe culture in the workplace where they can bring their whole self to work, including their um, mental health um, conditions and mental health uh, level I think that's really, really helpful. And so workplaces, um, they've got a big role to play. And um, I think we, we underestimate just how impactful workplaces can be because mental health is so much about people and relationships and those softer things around culture. And so um, that's, that's really what I love is, is seeing workplaces start to step up. And there's a lot of workplaces starting to do this. Landcorp, Palmo is doing some great stuff. MB is doing some great stuff with their mental health community. Vodafone is doing some great stuff. And I don't mind talking about that because, you know, this isn't an opportunity for competition and for <laughs> workplaces to do really cool things that help their people at work and at, in their home world as well and then kind of hide them under a bushel. Same thing with Lion um, Breweries. Great stuff for their people around their mental health and well-being. Um, and they're thankfully starting to share that a little bit, which is great because otherwise people like me are left kind of Googling around <laughs> trying to um, cut stuff out of sort of whole cloth, <laughs> you know, like, you know, staying with a blank sheet, sheet of paper. And I think if we can learn and share together as workplaces, that just makes it so much more efficient because people aren't just scrambling around in the dark. Yeah, exactly, mate. And I mean, we historically have been a bit crap at uh, mental health and looking after our mental health across the board, not, ju not just at workplaces, um, but obviously workplaces w are, are a part of that as well. And I mean, thankfully, the conversation is starting to change and there's a lot of great work that is coming out around, around these areas. And work is a, is a massive part of most people's lives. People show up for 40-ish hours um, every week, which is a, is a pretty decent chunk. So obviously that, that has a huge effect on their mental health, their mental well-being, um, mm. and the, the mental health uh, challenges that they bring from outside of work as well has a big effect on the, on the workplace. So I guess what I'm, what I'm leading to with this question is from a business perspective, what are the benefits of having a mentally healthy workplace? I think, you know, there's um, my, um, my why for better mental health at work is probably driven by 
almost like an ethical or humanistic driver around this is the right thing to do. Our people are humans. It's actually can be quite harmful to artificially, you know, leave your, leave your personal life at the door. You just have this work persona because if you just constantly do that and your home life um, is really crumbling or there's some really hard stuff going on at work, it could be, um, you know, bullying or a really tough culture in your little team. Um, just kind of, kind of shovel down your emotional response to that. Um, it can be, it has a kind of creeping impact on your well-being, And so eventually that can bulge out in ways that are really unhealthy for people. So I just think, um, I've just completely forgotten what your question was. Can you just remind <laughs> me of that? The, what, are, what are some of the benefits for businesses or, <laughs> or teams or organizations <laughs> for, for help, people with healthy, uh, oh, good mental health? Never be afraid to ask your your host uh, to get you back on track. <laughs> Otherwise, you, you go rambling again? off. Yeah. yeah, what were we talking about? <laughs> Who am I? Um, so, look, just, um, you know, I think there is a very, very strong business case for better mental health. And it ought not to be a reason why any individual business or workplace decides to really step into this space. But first up, it's the right thing to do. And that's really the only reason that you need is that, mm. you know, we're all humans. Um, if we embrace great well-being and a holistic approach to that and do really meaningful stuff for our people, they will repay that in spades, which takes me on to my kind of second reason, which is um, your people will love it. From an engagement perspective, um, your people will love it, especially if it's coming from a place of genuineness, um, authenticity, I don't, although I have mixed feelings about that word. You know, you know, if you've got a genuine heart for looking out for your people and doing the right thing by them, not just for their physical well-being, but for their mental well-being, they will start noticing that, especially if you stick with it. And then, you know, thirdly, um, you know, the, the, the financial business case is definitely there. Um, it shouldn't be, as I say, the reason why you step into the space, but there's been heaps of research done around the world, you know, starting in Australia, PwC did a, a really good bit of research around the, the return on investment for any workplace investing in better mental health. And every dollar you spend brings $2.30 back in, in terms of better productivity and less absenteeism and better employee engagement and staff retention. And there's a whole lot of positive business benefits from doing the right thing anyway. And then there's just supporting research all the way, all around the world. Like So the WHO, $4 for every dollar spent returned. In the UK, Deloitte did a massive study as part of the Stevenson's Pharma report on creating more mentally healthy workplaces, £4.20 for every pound spent returned. And now New Zealand's Mental Health Foundation has collaborated with Zero on the small business impact to do some research around that. And I think it's $3.50, don't quote me on that, for every dollar spent you get back. And so, you know, not only is it the right thing to do, your people will love it, um, you know, uh, financially it's right. You know, by the way, it's also the law. <laughs> like, mm. like health and safety at work, at, we've, we've, we've got to do this anyway. And, you know, you know, Work, um, WorkSafe in New Zealand are going to lead government regulator. They are, they are naturally taking small steps in this space. And we're probably a little bit behind other countries like the UK, but you can see them really starting to, you will see them really starting to face into this as we move forward. And so for workplaces, you should do it. It's great for your people. It's great for your bottom line. And by the way, you should be doing it anyway, according to the law. Um, and so that kind of, that mix is just a complete no-brainer in terms of the business benefits and the people benefits if you're about looking after your people. Yeah, and like there's a, there's a raft of motivating factors that you've just mentioned there as well across the board. I mean, the, the first one is obviously 
you don't want to be a dick. You want to you want to look after the people uh, there, but there are there are the other benefits as well for if you're reporting to boards of directors and um, or shareholders uh, from a from a business perspective as well, which is mm. it, it's a nice added bonus, really. Totally, and and it's I mean, it's recognizing that actually you know, mental health is a universal human condition like if you just completely ignore that you know in your um work population then it's not going to be great for them and it's not going to be great for you as a workplace you know you if you're really on the front foot you're reducing sick leave and stress and staff turnover and accidents and injuries and recruitment management costs there's so much stuff there um that is going to help you. It's going to help your customers because your people are more engaged. They're more satisfied with their working environment. And it's, you know, not, it's not just sort of subsidized gym memberships and fruit bowls. It kind of, you know, in the mental health space, it needs to be a bit more holistic. And it's about those softer things of really um, embracing your people and looking out for them and giving them permission to care both for themselves and for each other. And some of that seems um, a little bit simplistic maybe, but it really matters you know, um, making sure that you're giving your, um, you, you can't make people physically and mentally healthy. You kind of can't force that on them, but creating a space where they can be the best version of themselves, where they can be thriving in every aspect of their life and giving them skills that they can apply at work and home. So it's, it's really powerful. And, you know, people can opt out of that, but the people that are picking up on those things, like learning how to do mindful meditation or doing a St. John's mental health first aid course, for example, um, it could be something for you. It could be something to help others, but every little thing that you create in terms of this um, menu, a la carte menu for your people is going to help them um, in different ways. I like that as a, as an analogy that a la carte menu or like I've heard other people talking about it as a toolbox as well that you can put different tools in and out of. Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, this is, this is kind of a new topic, a new ish topic in the scheme of things for a lot of, a lot of businesses and a lot of leaders as well as, Mm -hmm. is how do we look to facilitate better mental health in our workplaces and in our teams? And you've been doing this for a little while now, Grant. I mean, what are what are some of the the questions that leaders should be asking uh, to start to think? How can I start to facilitate better mental health for my people? Yeah, I think it really starts with listening. Um, that's probably you know, oftentimes, especially in bigger workplace, there can be a temptation to do a. I don't want to um, turn this into too much of a geeky Star Trek analogy, but Jean-Luc Picard, one of the Star Trek captains, used to say, make it so. Um, And, you know, there's a temptation in bigger workplaces to just get a consultant in, to just, Mm. you know, we've got a a problem with this. It could be, um, you know, people uh, being injured seriously or dying in the construction industry and they'll get a consultant in. And that works very well in a health and safety sense. And I wouldn't necessarily dissuade workplaces from getting people in who know what they're doing to help them on their journey. I'm not saying just, you know, make it up as you go along, but there's a really important part of that around listening to your people um, and creating space for people to, um, to share their own stories because everybody 
well, not everybody, a lot of people in your workplace will have their own story around mental health and well-being. They'll, you know, um, eight in 10 of us will either have had a significant mental distress situation in our lives or we will um, have um, been uh, diagnosed with some kind of mental illness or condition or we'll know someone who has. So this is why, you know, when we at Spark said, hey, let's start caring a lot about how our people are doing with their mental health and well-being, that really helped. And it started with listening. It started mm-hmm. with us asking people, um, you know, we, we put out a, a survey pretty early on that said, hey, um, there were some psychosocial, um, psychosocial safety type questions about, you know, um, do you feel like you can bring your whole self to work? Um, how comfortable do you feel making mistakes or asking questions or admitting that you don't know something amongst your immediate team and manager? Those types of kind of slider type questions of strongly agree all the way mm-hmm. down to disagree. And then we asked the big kahuna, which was how likely would you be to recommend this workplace as a mentally healthy workplace to friends and family, zero to 10. And so that's that's a variation on net promoter score, which is quite a common metric in um, workplaces for figuring out whether your customers or your people really love your brand or something specific that you're doing. It could be a new product. It could be how you do mental health at work. And so by asking that question, that gave us some really good numeric information about how we thought that we were doing. Um, and then we didn't stop there. You know, this, um, we then said, Hey, well, what's the number one reason that you gave that score? Mm. And what's the biggest thing that you think that we could do to bump that right up? You know, what's your one, what's your one big idea? And it could be something, could be something simple, could be something big, you know, and then that really from a, from a workplace perspective, it let us get some really raw data, uh, not just numeric stuff, but people sharing their stories, um, you know, and it was all anonymous, completely anonymous. So people didn't need to, unless they physically typed their name and or something that made it infinitely identifiable for them. We did not want to know who you were, um, but it really helped us identify, okay, this is where we feel like we're at. And these, these things look like, the the quick wins so there's a few things here that we could actually that could be quite impactful but it isn't going to be a long-term project it's not going to be really expensive let's start getting some runs on the board and so we could form a really clear picture of what are we looking like now what does next look like and then what does wow look like like what what is something that we could do that's massive Um, and so it gave us a kind of runway of different things that we could start running towards and from from those questions that you asked initially, did that basically give you the right now, next, and wow steps that you were looking to do straight away? Yeah, look, I mean that's the. I mean, people, you know, don't underestimate the the power of asking your people what they think. You know, and in this space, I've been been really heartened. So nobody's perfect. No team's perfect. Everybody makes mistakes. You know, where. We are um, imperfect people. And so, but what, what people clearly said was, we've all got mental health. We'd love to have for, for there to be more open conversations about it. We're loving what we can, we've started to see happening in this little community that's developing. And so um, it really did help. It, it, you know, it, it, you know there's, we've con- continued kind of iterating and innovating and we do a lot of micro experimenting now. And so we want to constantly be trying new things, A, because it keeps things fresh. 
so our people aren't just seeing every year at Spark we do Pink Shirt Day and that's an anti-bullying thing and it supports the Mental Health Foundation and it came out of Canada because this kid was getting bullied at school. Like, you can't just turn up every year on um, whatever it is, 22nd of May, I think it is this year, and wear a pink shirt and say we're done. And so mm. having that kind of almost like a roadmap, a, a kind of prioritized list of, you know, little moderate and big things that we could do meant that we could just start pulling from the hopper and then trying things out and then adding as well. Cause we keep asking people, what do you think we should do this year for Gumboot Friday? What do you think we should do this year for mental health awareness week? And so it's about kind of bigger structural things around um, how we upskill our people, for example, like how do we make a lot of people were saying, well, I keep seeing all these conversations happening, but I really want to learn something myself. And so that led to us developing um, some what I think is world-class e-learning um, modules around mental health and well-being. What is mental health? How do I stay healthy? What does this look like? How do I be a good practical support for the people that I care about in my workplace and beyond? And so that's accessible to everybody, no matter where they work and spark, no matter what they do. And so the feedback on that has been incredible. And my desire is to start making that kind of stuff more readily available. And the only reason that we are holding back on that is that I know just quietly, and I don't know if it's been announced yet but you know there's other industry um ngos that are going to be stepping forward in the space around um workplace online learning and enablement tools for their staff and so yeah uh, we're really excited about all all those kinds of things and yes you know not everything is perfect and but that's okay because you're constantly learning and i think being having a bit of humility and being like no, no we, we aren't we don't always get it right we're constantly refining this and trying new things. Um, you know, a great example is we've got like a, um, a cartoon that we designed. You know, we haven't got time to train all our people face to face with how they can do um, really good, how they can learn really good practical coping skills for anxiety. And so we just designed in five discrete, tiny little cartoon slides some really neat practical skills around tactical breathing or box breathing that's used by the, the military in live combat to, uh, and you're probably already aware of this given your mm. background, but you know, that kind of um, breathe in for four seconds, hold for four seconds, breathe out for four seconds, repeat four times to really recenter yourself and get your parasympathetic nervous system going so you might be feeling like you're completely overwhelmed but your body's tricked into thinking that actually you're all good and you're relaxing and ready so that kind of stuff we're able to just do that in a tiny little um cartoon that you could chuck on a screensaver that everybody across the organization is all of a sudden seeing every now and then oh there's that cute little character and he's he's doing the box breathing he's doing the five senses centering exercise and so it just just starts getting soaked in by osmosis almost that's awesome mate and in terms of like obviously you ask the questions and then you listen have you gone back and re-asked those questions and like what kind of evolution of things that people want you to be doing has happened from that yeah I, th I think you know certainly what we didn't want to be doing um was constantly hammering people about their mental health like you could actually be quite intrusive about how you do this and so we we made a call pretty early on that we weren't going to be 
constantly hammering people around this stuff. And I think as well, because there's a wider, um, there's a wider set of sort of surveys and methodologies around people and engagement. Uh, we didn't want to be re-asking similar kinds of questions to our wider engagement surveys and responses. And so we've kind of evolved to where we've got a small team of volunteers, that sort of half a dozen of us that meet every fortnight and plot and plan world domination for mental health at Spark. And then we've got 50 or 60 volunteers wrapped around us across New Zealand that help be kind of hands and feet and bring things to life. And so we're constantly going to the wider community, which is about 630 people last time I looked, to, to ask them for their thoughts on things. But there's a group of 60 as well that are able to share ideas and insights and we can kind of use them as a really good sounding board for stuff. And so we found that organic um, conversational approach to developing and iterating these ideas has been really amazing. So a great example for the cartoon, for example, I thought this is a great idea. And so just went off and got a mate of mine to do it and paid him some cash because <laughs> yeah. he's an amazing cartoonist. And I'd shared the sketch drawings with our team and said, Hey, this is, what do you think about this? Like how, how might, do, do you think this might have legs? Could we do a series based on this in different areas of practical mental health um, coping strategies just as a cartoon series? And people are like, that's fantastic. And here's some feedback. And actually that thing there that you're depicting, maybe it could be reframed like this a bit. And then we had two people say, I can draw. Here's my portfolio on Instagram. And I was like, wow, <laughs> wow. And so, you know, again, yes, you could do it very, very data heavy. You just have to be really careful about that. And I know, you know, Google, for example, is doing, has, has done for a while now a blue dot program where they've got people around the workplace that are, trained and really good deep listening and they're um, trying to just be there as listeners for people who maybe need to reach out uh, whether it's something work related or, or not and again google this is the data heavy company right like everything that they do is like a b tested and you know measured to within an inch of its life they said we are not measuring this we are going to create in our workforce a bunch of people who are trained to be really empathetic listeners and who can signpost people. And so again, that's what we're trying to do at Spark. There's quite a few people at Spark who've done uh, mental health first aid um, courses, whether that's through St. John's or Counties Manukau DHB. Um, there's another uh, crowd in Wellington who are doing um, the, these courses. And so they can be, um, they're not pro counselors, but they can be humans and they can be, they've got a little bit of extra stuff in their toolkit, as you say, mm. to be able to have really effective, safe conversations with people who might not be doing okay. And so that's, that's really, it's really helped us, I think. Yeah. And I think there, there are some really great practical building blocks that people can start with right away that you've, you've just given away there, which is amazing. So thank you so much for that grant. Mm. I mean, this is a, this is a conversation all about leadership. Um, but I've got a I've got an interesting question for you. This one might throw you a little bit. That's okay. <laughs> Can you think of a time where you haven't led well? And if so, are you happy to share that? Can I think of a time where I haven't led well? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I think this is one of those. Um, I think it's really important that we be um, that we be real in the space. And so I, I talked in an earlier podcast that you may end up linking to with you about the 
focus, that kind of focal point. So we've got a strategy. We want Spark to be New Zealand's most mentally healthy workplace. And we've got some pillars under that. And it's all about smashing the stigma and raising awareness and giving our people the skills and knowledge and confidence they need to look after themselves and look out for the people they care about and creating a safe, supportive working environment. Those are the kind of things that we're driving at. And everything that we do has to tick one or more of those boxes. But sitting across all of that is a help, not harm type um, uh, edict. <laughs> if we had like an AI that we were developing in a, a Terminator uh, 3 type scenario, um, we would be programming this thing so that it was help, not harm. And that was the kind of overriding directive. And so we have had heaps of speakers. We've released heaps of resources. There's been authentic, really heart-led sharing from Spark people about their own mental health journey. And we've had stuff that was pretty confronting. And we've had that reviewed by the Mental Health Foundation. They're totally amazing, underfunded, punch way above their weight. And we just honor and acknowledge them and their impact on what we've been doing. But, you know, there was certainly a situation where we had a guest speaker in. And uh, I vet very carefully who we have in. So my, the help not harm stuff is very top of mind because you've got a really big microphone in the space. And so um, we got somebody in and in hindsight, I probably could have not had that person in. <laughs> I could see that there was some stuff there that, we would have to actively manage. And I thought, well, this is a person with good experience in this space. You know, they've got a good story to tell. This could be really beneficial for our people. And, um, but I got the sense that it might turn into a bit of a sales pitch <laughs> or that it might veer into um, perspectives that aren't based in really good, deep scientific research. Um, so really, you know, when I want people, when we get people to speak, I want it to be a really authentic and, and meaningful and from the heart, but also factual uh, in terms of the stuff that they're talking about. And so that um, we had, <laughs> we had multiple speakers on that panel. There was people that had come uh, from offsite at Spark and um, we live streamed that across <laughs> seven or eight different locations and had our conference center full of people. And uh, I did coach this person that you won't make it a sales pitch, please. And you must, must make sure that you um, keep things pretty factual when it comes to talking about mental health. Um, you know, a good example might be, is, or, is there or is there not a genetic link to depression or anxiety? And the answer is overwhelmingly, yes, there is. There's like 150,000 participant peer-reviewed scientific studies that identify the four kind of key um, DNA things that might make you more predisposed. That's not mm -hmm. determining whether you are going to suffer from those um, mental health conditions or be affected by them. But, but there are little, little signposts there in terms of, of genetics. And that just went totally sideways <laughs> on me. And I was sitting there at this thing with a panel of people and a lectern and a live stream and probably should have stood up and said, I'm sorry, but that's not factually correct. And we're just going to have to move on from this. Um, this is the perspective I need to share with you on this point, And now we're moving on. And I, I didn't do that at the time. And so what that meant for me was a lot of damage control. So because I didn't, um, I didn't push past the discomfort of, you know, in a social environment where you've got a conference style thing and somebody with a microphone in the front, I just 
in my head was like, this is too hard. I'm just going to have to manage this. And I think I could have been more proactive. Um, and so I think that's, that's a, it's a situation that many of you might find yourselves in if you are working in the mental health and wellbeing space or in any other situation where you get somebody into your workplace to talk about any topic, right? Because it's not pre-recorded. It's not normally completely scripted. And so, um, you know, leadership also means recognizing when things are um, coming a little bit unstuck and then acting decisively and um, proactively and transparently about that. And so we did manage that through the afternoon. I got a few emails from people saying, um, that wasn't really, that wasn't, that wasn't too great, some of that stuff. Most of it was brilliant. And there was sort of all sorts of different speakers. It was a great event overall. And we had, you know, one of our, one of our people, you know, just to, to show you the contrast, I had kind of the complaint messages and then another person coming through saying, look, just so you know, I was one of those, you know, one of the peoples that was showcased during that session. That's me. And I've been, um, you know, estranged from my dad since I was five. And um, because of what went on there, I picked up the phone for the first time in 30 years and mm. talked to my dad and had, and it opened the door to us starting to heal that relationship. And so I was like, oh, that was amazing. But there was this other thing. But also when you've built up enough equity, you do make mistakes no matter what mm. it is. <laughs> you could be a brain surgeon or you could be packing boxes at a supermarket and you will make mistakes. And so because we built up so much equity and so much um, engagement from people that the feedback was really positive. We recognized that this stuff wasn't quite on point and it wasn't as um, scientifically based as it needed to be. But Grant, thank you for sharing this um, stuff with us. So I've gone on a bit much about that, but I wanted to kind of really round that whole point out around, you know, it's okay to make mistakes. You've got to try and course correct as best you can and to, um, you know, close out the conversation so people have the factual basis in that situation. It was um, eventual leadership. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, good, good learning points from that one, Grant. Um, what has, what's influenced your thinking about leadership the most in the last one to two years? I think, you know, it's, it's, it's probably a combination of things. I think um, the point I made before around just leading from where you are it's okay and i think that can be really uncomfortable especially in a place like new zealand you know tall poppy syndrome is really real in this country and people think that you're doing something because you might be trying to get ahead or trying to get ahead of them and it becomes a big thing of like trying to pull people down who are you know doing good things and i think just bearing that in mind and pushing past that i think has been really helpful for me um, you know, this, the, um, the support at Spark has been overwhelmingly good. So from everyone from the chair of the board through to people who are working in stores and, and call centers are reaching out and saying, hey, this is amazing. Keep this up. This has helped me. This has helped my, you know, helping with my daughter. It's helping with my son. It's helping with my husband and my wife. Like that, you know, you, you're going to have headwinds whenever you lead in an area. And so for me, I have had some headwinds, but, but the tailwind has been significant. And I think it's just that whole mindset, you know, people, people talk about how, you know, you need so many compliments a day versus so many people pulling you down. And I think the people pushing you forward, you've got to really focus on them. It can be very easy to be discouraged and to not try the thing that might 
create business success or might really help some people. And so I've loved that, that aspect. Um, so just leading from where I am. And I think, um, yeah, I, th- I think, you know, each of us has a role to play. It's not just, um, there's a, there's a Derek Sivers video on Ted, Ted talks about how to create a movement. And it's not just the person that stands up first and says, how might we? And imagine if it's actually those couple of people that stand up with them that are real leaders as well. And so recognizing that, and you know, I've got an amazing team of people at Spark who are standing with me in the space. And so recognizing the value of those, um, those leaders, it's just really helped me, not just professionally, but personally, you know, what I do in this space, we've got a, we've got a, a person at Spark who is, who had years working at Lifeline, who has got great experience around um, coaching and counseling and that kind of thing. And um, she's my professional supervisor. And we haven't really touched on this, but because of the kind of voluntary work I'm doing in this space, you can't help but be impacted by people's stories and by the tough, the really tough situations that they can find themselves in. And so being able to lean on some people that you trust and care deeply about. It's really helped me through this. And so I think leading alone versus leading with your team and, you know, leading together, you know, arm in arm, that's really what the power is. And that's, you know, I've, I've seen that with people really stepping forward, that this can be that whole, um, the situation where the sum of the parts is greater than the individual things. And so, you know, we've got amazing health and safety people at Spark who have a big heart for mental health and well-being. And they might be formally, you know, focused on the more traditional health and safety aspects, but they're really stepping up to say, you know, this well-being thing, it's a real in- integral part, health, safety and well-being, um, safety 2.0. And so just watching them step up in the space has been really um, eye-opening for me because it means that I could just get hit by a bus tomorrow and these people, well, I won't, I won't during the lockdown, but these, these people, it, this thing's an unstoppable machine and it's just going to keep pushing forward. So, you know, being able to throw it forward like that and create a movement that is self-sustaining, that has been amazing. Um, and I think, you know, I just think being honest and adaptive and, and, and trying to be consistent, that that's really, um, it's really helped me. Um, Yeah. And also like, I don't know, like being okay with building a personal brand or having it be built without it being about being self-centered or your own individual success. I think it's, it's a chance for us to all show leadership in different ways. And so, yes, I have a, probably a higher profile. A lot of people at Spark walk up to me and be like, Oh, you're that mental health guy. (laughs) I'm like, no, I'm a senior lawyer, but yes, I also do a bit of that stuff too. (laughs) And so that's neat to see that, um, that, that, to be, and to be okay with having a bit of a personal brand in this, this an area that's really meaningful to you. Yeah. Grant, what should leaders be doing right now in the mental health space? I think, you know, probably a combination of top-down um, leadership where you, there will be somebody, uh, you know, even in a smaller workplace, but in a bigger workplace around your board table, 
or in your senior leadership team, there will be people who have got their own journey around mental health and well-being. Um, and having those people step up and say, um, this is me, this is me too, this is me, you know, uh, we all have mental health, this is my mental health story, and, and mental health really matters to us in this workplace because I've got my story and it's no more important than your story, but we've all got our own stories and we're here for each other. So having that top down um, and making space for those conversations at your next kind of um, strategic planning day or whatever it might be, but actually um, stopping and pausing and saying, okay, how might we do mental health better in our workplace? You know, what do we think? What's getting us up in the morning and keeping us up at night in this space? What are our risk factors? What do we, you know, let's get our people with the knowledge around what's happening in the business leaders, individual le leaders, um, health and safety people, HR people. Let's get them talking to us about what they see on the ground. And what does that mean for not just the risks? This is not about risk management, although it can be, but also what are the opportunities? What might incredible look like? You know, and what, what, is, what is our now, next, and wow for mental health and well-being? What does is, what is our vision look like? Where, you know, what do we want to be known for? Um, so those kind of boardroom type table um, conversations, I think, are really important for workplaces. And they, you know, as I said in our, our last chat, you know, you, the stuff, the knowledge and the skills and the confidence that you share at work, it won't stay there. It will reverberate out into the home lives of all of your people. And so there's a real opportunity for leaders and workplaces to really lead in this space, but also to embrace bottom up, embracing, um, finding out for your workplace, how do we, how do we create community here? Because I think listening and community and um, that kind of thing, community I think is, is at the heart of this for me in workplaces because it's very hard if you've just got a lone nut like me just standing up every day um, talking about this stuff because so much of it's cultural. You know, you can have a policy around well-being. You can have these bits of paper floating around in print or in the internet somewhere or on a notice board, but actually bringing that to life takes beating hearts. And I think finding ways for your workforce to really engage them around well-being and mental health at a wider level, you know, how am I doing sort of what's the, and, and breaking it down in terms of trying to kind of slice and dice your approach, like what's happening at sort of, I, we, and us, like what's happening at that individual level to get people tuned in to well-being and, and mental health and getting the right help early? And how do we create really safe teams where everybody can bring their whole self to work, where people feel included and cared for and like they can be open about their struggles to the extent they feel comfortable, right? This isn't, <laughs> you can't go around forcing people to open up. That's amazing. And then what do we, what do we stand for? Like, What's the us picture look like around mental health? Because I think if you can make space for it and then start um, breaking it down like that, like you can't eat an elephant in one bite. And so this kind of stuff, it is one step at a time. But if you start doing little things based on that listening that you've done and that time that you've created with your senior people to really prioritize this stuff, all of a sudden you've taken a hundred steps and you look back, you know, I look back at what's happened at Spark and it just blows my mind how helpful this has been and just the stories are ongoing and um, quite powerful. Some people are really, really helping themselves and each other. And so I think, you know, 
leaders can really step into that. Grant Pritchard, thanks so much for sharing, mate, and thanks so much for joining me today. There you have it, everyone. Fantastic conversation with Grant Pritchard uh, about a whole lot of practical aspects around building mentally healthy teams as well as the benefits for us as leaders leaders and as business owners and as organizations to having a really mentally healthy team. Now, obviously, we want to get these conversations in front of as many people as possible. So would love it if you could share this with one person that you know is thinking about these topics and needs a little bit of prompting. Also would love it if you could subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on YouTube, um, wherever you're watching or listening to this uh, and leave a leave a rating and review because that just helps push this up the rankings and get us in front of more people so these conversations get into more ears get into more heads and impact more lives thanks so much for chatting with us today 